Hi, I'm Maya Hofstetter. And I'm Katherine Lalonde. We are both seniors and student journalists from Montgomery Blair High School in Silver Spring, Maryland. And are currently doing a series of podcasts in collaboration between our student publications, mine being the print newspaper Silver Chips, and mine being the video production program Blair Network Communications. Today we are going to be talking about the election. This is a historic election for so many reasons. The 2020 election had the highest voter turnout since the turn of the 20th century. The Democratic candidate for president, Joe Biden, received the most votes over any other presidential candidate in modern American history. What's more, Sarah McBride, a Democrat from Delaware, became the nation's first openly trans person to serve as a state senator. Kim Jackson became the first openly LGBTQ plus state senator in Georgia. And Richie Torres and Mondaire Jones, Democrats from New York, will become the first Black men in Congress who are openly gay. Madison Cawthorn, a Republican from North Carolina, will be the youngest member of Congress in modern history at age 25. All of these historic accomplishments are so cool, but today we are here to talk about the youth vote. We are going to look at why this election mattered to our youngest voters, why youth voter turnout was so big, and how it shaped the result of this election. Enjoy! First, we talked with Garrett Hill, a junior at the University of Maryland College Park, who's the campus outreach coordinator for the chapter of Youth Democratic Socialists of America there. We wanted to get his perspective as a young leftist student um, in a DC suburb. Garrett, I am the, I'm a current um, computer science junior at the University of Maryland. And in terms of DSA, I am the campus outreach coordinator. Um, my position is essentially to coordinate with other groups and individuals we're interested in working with, form, uh, serving as basically our primary liaison with anyone we want to talk to sort of outside the group. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I'm in charge of. Uh, in terms of uh, DSA, what we do, we focus on a lot of progressive and social justice causes on campus. This semester, we're mostly focusing on trying to combat our uh, contract with ICE that our START organization has. Um, and we're trying to get them to, at minimum, promise not to renew it in writing and publicly. Um, it would be great if they would cancel it, but we're, we're really pushing for them to at least commit to not renewing it. So one of the things that we really wanted to ask Garrett about was um, his views as a leftist and the DSA's views on Biden being the Democratic Party's nominee for president. Most of us, not all of us, but a lot of us will probably still at least vote for him. But in our minds, there's a difference between voting for him and endorsing him. We still view him as a rapist. We view him as someone who has committed very cruel acts against the black community, against the Muslim community, against the international community. And we see him as the lesser of two evils. So we're not going to endorse him 
but we would prefer that Trump lose. So by default, because of the you know two-party system, that means we hope Joe Biden beats Trump. There's a lot of groups that I think we're kind of trying to do what Garrett was doing in DSA, which was like talking to voters, getting voters registered, um, trying to convince people to fall for like the lesser of two evils in his mind, um, right? Like settle for Biden. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um I think that the whole settle for Biden ideology is really present among young people, um, even if they don't consider themselves like a complete socialist, you know, just because nowadays a lot of political campaigns are very, they focus on the candidate's personality and personal history, you know, and to a lot of young people, there were very unappealing aspects of both Biden and Trump in terms of personality. I mean, they were both older white men. They both had some stuff in their past that a lot of young people like had a hard time reconciling with. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of um, a lot of these like youth voters were like, "Okay, I will go with the lesser of two evils in my mind." Um, but that being said, I think that what Garrett's doing is really um, vital because I don't know how sustainable it is to keep on making young people people who are not complete like centrists or moderates keep having to settle. You know, I think that the needle to, to a lot of young people, they don't want to have to keep doing this thing, keep on settling for a candidate that they feel doesn't match their ideology. Um, like, I mean, no one will ever match anyone's ideology perfectly, but it is hard, especially for a young person um, to settle for someone where you're like, I, I don't like this person right. as a person and as a political candidate. And I think um, that's why these, these organizations like DSA are so important right now. Right. That's what I was thinking. I mean, like, I don't necessarily think that there's ever going to be a presidential candidate that is like, it, that that is in the general election that's going to be perfect. Because I think like, the Democratic Party is is very divided within itself. And, you know, the, the country in general is just so polarized right now between Democrats and Republicans. And then within the Democratic Party, we have like, you know, we needed to win this election uh, as Democrats, but we also needed to win it and get Republicans too, um, which was the problem because like, you know, Bernie Sanders was a, the, the type of politician that would not have appealed to a lot of these Republicans who were anti-Trump um, and and Biden yeah. was sort of this like middle ground. And he was even someone who, who Republicans had to settle for. I think that he's a candidate who a lot of people had to settle for because they, they were anti-Trump. And personally, I think that we need it. We need like this, these four years of Biden um, to like bring the country back to a sense of like normalcy from the Trump era. And Biden has hinted at, you know, being a one-term president. Like, I don't think that he is going to run again. He's in the later years of his life. The presidency is exhausting. It's, it's aging. And I think he just, 
in some ways, you know, he kind of had to do this because like he could appeal to these, you know, Republicans who were anti-Trump, but he could also, you know, appeal to progressives who knew that they needed to get rid of Trump. So the only thing that they could do to get rid of him would be to vote for Biden. Yeah, so speaking of the DNC, one of the questions that we made sure to ask Garrett was about how he would like to see the DNC change in the future to better accommodate um, more progressive voters who may also be younger. I don't think the DNC as an organization, not its members, I don't think the DNC cares that much issues as a whole. I think it's a political organization that's driven by funding and by obtaining funding. So it will always cater to who gives the most money, which is, in this case, um, extremely wealthy people who have have very different interests from me. I think the voting bloc of the DNC is a lot different from its primary funding, which I think is an unhealthy dynamic. Um, I don't know if I would like to see some new party, if I would like to see a total restructuring of the DNC, but I think as of right now, there's just a very fundamental disconnect between where the DNC gets its money and who it caters to, its voting base. So, I think in an ideal world, it would it would totally model, uh, put hypothetically like put caps on individual donations at at a not at a like legal level, but for for its personal gain, um, put caps on individual donations. In the future, I think after, um, like when Biden leaves office, it's really just going to be vital for people to figure out what we are going to do to make sure that there, that we don't get into the habit of of continuously running candidates. And I think this honestly goes for both the Democrats and the Republicans that people have to settle for, and that it seems like a chore to support, like. I'm going to vote for this person because it's what I believe to be right, but I just personally, I don't feel that I am like totally behind them 100%. To me, I'm concerned for the future of the Democratic Party because of this election, because of like what you're saying, Maya, is like we're constantly having to settle for candidates that aren't necessarily ones that we would feel to be best representative of the country. Um, and, and the face of this country is changing, especially with our generation, you know, we're like the most diverse generation. Um, I think we have pretty liberal views. Obviously, there are, you know, <laughs> young Gen Zers who are Republican, but um, I think that we're more progressive in the sense that we, even those, you know, young Republicans, I, I was... Um, like listening to a conversation between young Republicans and young Democrats and both of both sides seem to want to listen to each other and figure out ways to you know make the country more of a 
representative of the people that make that make up this country. Um, but it's like, what are the choices that we're going to have to make in order to change the face of the Democratic Party? Because, you know, as you're saying, people are tired of of having to settle for these candidates that maybe aren't necessarily who they want. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of youth voters, at the end of our interview, we asked Garrett um, what he would say to a young person who might not be really totally into politics or might not even be able to vote yet, but what he would say to them to maybe help them get their head into the politics game and really um, make it matter to them. Observe the world around you. Like, don't don't just close your eyes. Don't cl- plug your ears. Um, it's really easy to get scared and say, I don't want to pay attention to it anymore. But right now, it's really important that we care more than ever um, because we're seeing a rise in hate crimes, we're seeing a rise in poverty, we're seeing a rise in income disparity, and this is the time when we need to really be working together and caring about each other um, to make sure that we all get out of this alive to speak uh, in grandiose terms because like this will kill people. It has killed people. Climate change, hate crimes, you know, it kills people. And I want to see the people I love about survive. And I hope that these undecided uh, individuals would want to see people they love survive. So you need to work towards what you care about, whatever that is. Don't let your voice be silenced. I think, I think it's very important that um, students should actively try and, and change, change politics, even if they face a lot of pushback. I think something that's true of youth who are on the right or on the left or in the center is that none of us are really too big on the old crowd in politics. Mm, Nobody loves how things have been run in the past. You know, I think we all want to move forward in terms of getting new voices in there, whatever those voices may be. I think that's something that all of us can agree on, even if we, you know, differ on very like large and important issues, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's why I think like local elections matter so much. Um, And Garrett didn't really necessarily uh, talk about this that much. I think he really focused on how we need to, you know, we just need to get Trump out of there and we, and we can figure out a future um, ahead. But I think that like in, in those local elections, that's where you can really put in people who represent you. Yeah. And that is a perfect segue into our next interview. So we'll take a quick break and we will be right back.
brings us to Lena Ray, the chair of the Maryland High School Democrats of America. Um, so she runs the Maryland chapter, which has around 300 uh, students participating in it. Hi, my name is Lena Rye. I live in Howard County, um, but now I go to school up in Baltimore County at McDonough, and I am chair of the Maryland High School Democrats, which is why I'm here today. So the Maryland High School Democrats are the Maryland branch of the National High School Democrats of America. We also work directly with the Maryland Democratic Party, and right now consists of about 300 high schoolers from all across Maryland were represented in most of Central Maryland and working on getting out towards Western Maryland and other regions. Um, we're also represented on the Eastern Shore and looking to grow that. We operate in a chapter function. So we have chapters at schools and in communities, um, which are really easy to start and function like school clubs a lot of the time. And there's a lot of independence to that degree. We also do a lot of programming on a state level. Um, we did a big vote by mail education campaign earlier. We're working on getting people poll working. Um, a few of our big goals for the year are obviously electing Biden and flipping the White House and the Senate blue. So a lot of that means reaching out to neighbor states. Um, for example, every Wednesday we work with Maryland high schoolers for Biden to call into Pennsylvania on to elect Biden, um, as well as some down ballot candidates in Pennsylvania and working with other Senate campaigns so we can flip those seats blue and make sure we have a really productive legislation session in 2021 and beyond. Um, we're also working on making sure that our Democratic Party is representing the youth voice. So we recently worked out an agreement with them where we actually have a seat on the executive committee right now. Um, so I get to go to those meetings every month and and like by far the youngest person on there and the second youngest person is the young democrats president also very much younger than everyone else and he's in his 20s or 30s um so we're really making sure that youth voices are prioritized to that extent we also have educational components because we understand you know we're in high school we're busy there's not a lot of time to follow all that is the insane world of politics today um, so we work on sending out chapter guides or making it easy to connect with your legislators and understanding what's happening here, understanding like what does the Maryland General Assembly do in relation to the, to like U.S. Congress, Senate, House of Representatives, um, making sure that students are empowered to use their vote to the best of their knowledge, but also if they can't vote, that they can still make calls, training that, send texts providing those opportunities and just kind of being a source of like guidance. I mean, I think on the label already, any, any organization that is affiliated with the Democratic Party is going to be a lot less leftist and a little bit more moderate than any organization affiliated with the DSA, because that's just how those organizations work. That being said, I think Lena's perspective is incredibly important to this conversation because she gets to work with youth voters 
from across the state of Maryland. Um, and if you're not from Maryland, if you're not that um, familiar with it, it's a very diverse state in terms of race, income level, um, the type of communities in which people live. We have suburban, urban, and very, very rural, rural places. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Catherine and I live in a place that is a complete liberal bubble. Literally, I live five minutes from the DC border, but there's also people in Maryland who live in very rural areas, um, like the Eastern Shore, uh, places in Western Maryland. And you know, it's going to be a lot different for those people to be like, I am a proud Democrat, I am a proud leftist, and find resources for that than it would be for Catherine and I, you know, mm -hmm. just because of where we live, like geographically. Um, and I, I think I love listening to Lena because she is just like what I see, you know, the hope, like the hope that I have for like the future of this country. Um, you know, she has shown to be, she's like a leader of the Maryland High School Democrats, right? So she's the head, she's up there. Um, and she's really sort of trying to get more young people involved in caring about local elections, caring about state elections and caring about federal elections because all of those, thing, those things matter. And I think that um, her leadership and her her position in terms of the impact that she can have um, even on the Democratic Party, she talked about how she um, worked with, you know, leaders of the Democratic Party and being able to have a young person in there uh, expressing our needs and the things that matter the most to us uh, is really important because, as we've said before, oftentimes the people in power are older, older white men. Um, but the face of this country is changing, you know, like, that's the truth. Um, and I mean, that's, it's simply like, we can't, in my opinion, we cannot keep on acting like politics are going to be run by the same people forever, by the same Nancy Pelosi's. And, you know, these people will not be in politics. They won't be around forever. So we need to start inviting the youth of this country to become involved because I think there's also a huge misconception that we as youth don't care. I think we care very much, but it's hard for a lot of young people to get involved when all we hear from these older people in Congress and positions of power is that, oh, just wait a little bit. You're being too emotional right now. You don't have the real world experience it takes to have your voice matter. But when will our voices matter, you know? I mean, like, I think- not that, now, when? Right, and we, you know, it's like, we are the future of this country. And also we care the most about the future because we are the future, right? Yeah, exactly. So next up, we asked Lena about the importance of youth involvement in politics and making sure our voices are heard. I think it's pivotal that we're represented purely because we're gonna be inheriting, inheriting the policies 
that they're creating today and they don't make them with us in mind. You know, when they accept money from fossil fuel lobbies, they're thinking about their next campaign four years away, not our futures decades away that are going to be cut short because we don't have a livable planet. Um, so to that extent, I think there are also just so many of us and I just genuinely like believe in representation and like that's how a democracy should work. It shouldn't be hinged on all the boomers that are retired so now have time to go out and vote um, in systems that, you know, are actively designed to prevent people who work full time or attend school all day from being able to get to the polls and cast their vote. And I also just think like our generation has such a cool, unique perspective. We're the most diverse generation in history. Um, I like to think we're the most fun. I think we're a pretty cool generation. And I think it would be a shame if politics missed out on that. And to finish up our interview, we asked Lena the same question that we asked Garrett. If you could talk to a youth voter who doesn't really consider themselves to be a politics person, what would you say to them to really make them realize that their voice matters? I think I would say to them, you know, no one's asking you to run for office if you don't want to. No one's asking you to put in hours and hours to volunteer as much as that would be amazing. Um, you know, we're asking you to fill out a civic obligation just to, to stay aware. Um, you know, whether that be paying attention in your history class whenever current events come up, whether that be giving a quick Google search um, when you hear something in the hallways and don't recognize what it is, um, whether that be looking at resources, I think a really important thing we can do is just to make things simple in resources. You know, I think some of the greatest tools are things like iwillvote.com, which makes it ridiculously easy to register in things. And just these systems of government aren't designed to be easily accessible. They aren't designed to be able to be, you know, processed in just minutes. And it's very intentional. And I think to a systemic level that needs to change, but till then, like for someone who can't vote, there's only so much to say, but I also think it's really important to note wherever you are interested, politics will affect you. Even if, you know, it's not your identity that's being challenged in the Supreme Court, maybe you're into science, that patent, that's a government organization. You know, that FDA approval you need, that's a government organization. It all falls into politics. And I think we as a society have started looking at politics so, you know, away from our lives, we've compartmentalized it. But, you know, where our houses are, those zones, that's politics. And sure, it might not be the presidential election that decides those things, but it is, a huge factor of every single person's life, whether they notice it or not. So like whether it's that pesky traffic light, that cycle is way too long. You know, you can have opinions about these things and make them heard if you want to. And I think it's just making sure we stress 
that your voice still has power and that, yeah, you should use it, but no one's going to force you to. If you're a high schooler interested in democratic politics, doesn't matter if you know nothing and you're just curious or maybe you're hardcore and are really into it, um, join us and you know come out I think the best thing you can do is just to get involved and stay aware um I think to a certain extent that's the best we can do given the circumstances and we shouldn't really diminish the power of that of just what awareness of the government have of the government does because I think I've, I know I've said this a lot but a lot of policy hinges on people not paying attention and that's why it's so important that we pay attention um yeah and if you can vote please go vote i can't stress that enough please go vote So um, we wanted to end today's episode by encouraging um, the young people listening to get engaged. Um, Whether or not you are a Democrat or a Republican, there is um, currently uh, two runoff elections going on in Georgia for the Senate. Um, Republicans, it's Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. And then for the Democrats, it's Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. So... um, you know yeah and again these will sort of determine who runs the senate so so we, rather important yeah so rather whether whether or not you are a democrat or a republican um please get engaged please do calls for the candidate of your choice um donate fundraise uh you know, as we have talked about today young people getting involved in elections creates real productive change Again, if you want to follow Catherine's publication, which is Silver Chips Blair's student-run newspaper, you can find it online at silverchips.org. And if you want to follow my publication, which is Blair Network Communications, our broadcast journalism program, you can find us online at bncaonline.net. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. Bye.